0: Good Theological Thursday to everyone out there. I am James Crockett. He is Dre Clark. We're happy to have you back with us for another episode, whether you are listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. Thank you for taking some time out of your day to listen and dialogue with us. We are back in the saddle for another episode. Dre, you just came back from youth camp, right? I did. I got back Saturday
1: morning at three a m is when I got to my house. so it was a fun week last week, yeah,
0: you got to go to the beach right yep yeah, yeah went to
1: into Florida, went to Laguna beach um in, in Panama city area, and so we Hung out there and uh, I had a nice little private beach house that I didn't get to use that much because I was running around taking care of students and meeting with people all day from seven in the morning to two in the two in the evening so that night so it was long days but it was really mm. good we had a lot of a lot of good work had incredible uh, speaker from Dallas uh, Jared Richards came and spoke for us and um, and so had a had a great time there and nice and uh, awesome worship band as well so it's good week it was good being out on the beach I love it it's my one of my favorite places to be so
0: Man, that is fantastic. Um, well, let's go ahead and I don't have too much going on on my side of the world. Nothing going on in your life? Well, yeah, yeah just nothing going reading on. Reading stuff, just, just you know, <laughs> trying to help my fiance plan a wedding, and we're finding a, we're trying to find a place to live. In fact, later today we're going to be going and doing more apartment hunting. So, uh, her and I both I think are just ready to have that part over. So. Uh, we found out that, you know, basically the summer months or so for our listeners, if you're ever looking for an apartment or a place to rent, just know that the summer months are like the worst time because apparently that's when the market's highest. And so all the places, their prices are higher this time of year. So, um, but we can't do much about that. Um, So, but we're ready to get through that and, but it's been good. So it's been a growing time for us. Adulting. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's been a growing time for us learning to make these decisions together. So no doubt about that. Well, let's, uh, Dre, let's give our weekly recommendations, um, why don't you go ahead and start us off with what would you recommend? Uh, something you've been reading to our listeners this week?
1: Yeah, so we have our uh, our VBS at our church is next week, and so um, one of the things are actually one of our camp- our campuses next week, and so one of the things we're doing for um, a couple of our campuses this year is during the VBS time, we actually have a time for parents that w- that want to, as their kids are off doing their their activities, we have like little sessions for them. And so I'm leading a session on technology, um, on Monday. And so I'm kind of been reading some books about technology and, and, you know, how do we help families, you know, navigate through the overtaking of technology that's happening um, with, with kids and students. So I've been reading a book, um, by Andy Crouch, it's called TechWise Family. Um, there's a couple ones hmm. I've been reading, but that's one that I've really, um, enjoyed. And so, um, it's just kind of talking about really practical stuff. I mean, this idea of, of Consuming versus cultivating is is a really big point that Andy picks up on, and and just how do we how do we use technology? How do we not use technology? And some really practical principles. So it's been a great book. I haven't finished reading it so far, but I had a couple other people recommend it. Um, but I think uh, you know it's come kind of with those those must read books for anybody that's you know preparing on having a family and how do we how do we navigate through um, you know using technology in, in wise and unwise ways. So yeah,
0: tech wise family, great.
1: Andy Crouch, yeah,
0: awesome. Uh, for me, yeah, I've been thinking about what I would recommend. And um, uh, to be honest, this past week, I've been reading more books for like dissertation and stuff. And um, no one no one really has an interest in that. So, I won't recommend that. But there's one that sometimes I'll return to. I have this on audiobook. And if I'm not really listening to anything, I'll kind of return to this. Uh, and I've kind of been listening to it more in segments. But it's called The Cost of Discipleship. Now, this is a pretty classic work by Diedrich Bonhoeffer a German theologian from the first half of the 20th century mm-hmm. uh, was around during World War II uh, some may know him as he was part of this plot to try to overthrow Hitler and ended up being uh, martyred ended up being killed uh, during World War II but was a brilliant German theologian back in the first half of the 20th century but this book Cost of Discipleship talking about what does it really mean to follow Christ and what is the actual cost of following Christ? Just a really good work, gives a lot of good food for thought. It's pretty long work on audiobook. It's uh, it's quite long. I can't remember how long it is. I think that's why I've been listening to it more in segments, but <sighs> but yeah, I would encourage anyone. It's a classic work and uh, you can so you can give it on audiobook. I don't think it's very expensive, but yeah, if you have some time, it'd be a good one to look into.
1: Would you rather use that one on Audible or do you think that's a book? Um, that's one I've read before, but is, do you feel like the Audible experience, the audiobook experience is good on that one or do you prefer the, you um, know?
0: You know, it? Uh, maybe for more people, it might be, oof. so I mean, it's older, so it's, yeah. you know, it's not as, maybe it's not as. I don't know. I guess I would have to try to read it. It might not be as entertaining for people to just sit down and read, hmm. uh, but also just sitting down and reading it might be good too because it is – there's some deep There's some deep principles there where you might just need to sit down and read it yeah. and yeah. maybe sit back and then think about it. That's kind of sometimes um, – it can be easy to listen on audiobook. And I find that sometimes with audible books, like the, the one danger you can run into, it can be easy easier to tune out yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, with an audible book going. It, you can do that while re- regular reading, too. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I guess I'd have to read it um, the page to know if it's better or not. Uh, but on audio, I think it's fine. Yeah. And so, but yeah, you might just want to take your time reading through it because it's it's pretty <laughs> pretty hefty. It's pretty heavy. Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty hefty work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that m- most older works, I tend to go more you know book style with them, and then in newer kind of stuff, like um, you know some of the ones I've recommended on Audible, they're. You know more contemporary ones. I like the ones when the author actually reads them, and so you know, of course, these books that are really old, the author yeah. can't read them, and so. Um, but yeah, yeah. so I, that's interesting. I, I that would that would be a book that I would probably not have gone to and looked for on Audible, um, you know, yeah. the start, you know, whereas some of these other newer ones I would have. But um, but it's a good it's a good book, and yeah. so I think just to kind of listen to it, I mean, really good stuff that that Bonhoeffer has in that. Yeah. So really cool,
0: man. Yeah, I, I would I would say one benefit of just reading through it rather than listening to it would be. I often find it's helpful uh, to have a highlighter or a pen and you can go in and he's got plenty of quotes in there that you can sit and highlight or star and then you can go back. And it's because what you would probably do is you would read it and you might not try to read through it all again, but maybe just going back and looking through some things you've highlighted and things like that that are good reminders. And um, yeah, yeah. So that that's a benefit of obviously having a paper copy or even just on like a Kindle app where you can even highlight on there. Rather than on an audio book, um, it's harder to go back and try to find things that uh, statements that you really liked. so
1: yeah yeah absolutely Cool man. Yeah. Well um, let's recap uh, last week last week um, of course it was a uh, it was actually two weeks ago when we recorded it but we uh, sat down with Alex Stark. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and uh, he works for Robbie Zacharias Ministries, and uh, and just talked about apologetics and the gospel. So, James, what is what's one thing from that conversation that really just stuck out to you that you really really enjoyed from that?
0: You know, I think it's just the heart behind. Why we use apologetics? There was one thing Alex really said. I think that was so good. Are you sure he really said it, have-
1: or is it you know? I'm just messing with you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I said that. Yeah, that was weird. Cut that out. Um, we'll see. We'll uh, there see. was one. Yeah, there was one. There was one thing Alex said that really stuck out to me um, when he was talking. Really in having to deal with how do we have good dialogue when he said, "Behind every question is a questioner." and i think that is that is something that is so good for us to grab a hold of because oftentimes if we're having conversations like that when a question is asked we we are quick to deal with a question and if we're just quick to deal with the question we might not deal with it in a very loving manner. Uh, we'll deal with it in a way that, hey, we want to answer the question and answer it correctly. But if we can look at there's a questioner behind every question, it will even change the attitude of how we address the questions asked. Mm. So that was kind of something that stuck out to me uh, from our conversation. But what yeah, about you?
1: I, I think I agree with mean, this. This idea that um, our goal of apologetics is is not trying to have all the answers is not trying to um, answer all of the you know big questions about it, but it's to journey with people through it. Um, That idea Mm. of, of my end goal is not about um, trying to explain everything. My end goal is to walk with people through some of these hard things. And then that being the, the thrust and bringing it all back to the cross. You know, I really like that idea. Um, And so, Mm. so yeah, there's just a lot of, you know, politics can, can turn to this, you know, massive, you know, narcissism kind of war, my knowledge versus your knowledge and debates and all those things. And I think there's a place for debates. I think there's a place for those venues to have, uh, you know, educated discussions. Um, but I think the majority mm. of what we're doing is we're meeting people where they're at and um, and everybody's asking different questions. And sometimes the questions from the past are different than the ones today and and not just having these stock robotic answers that we walk through, but really listening to people and engaging with them where they're at um, and leading them to a person, not to a a theology or a concept, you know, leading him to the person of Christ first. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So I would encourage our listeners, if you have not listened to that episode, to go back and check that out. Really good conversation. Alex had a ton of good insights. Uh, we re- we really enjoyed having him with us and talking with us. So go check that out. Apologetics in the Gospel with Alex Stark. But let's go ahead and move into our main topic of the day. Dre, I had this question posed to me a couple of weeks ago when I had, I had shared one of our episodes. I think it was the episode on Christian sayings, and mm-hmm. I had one of my, one of my friends who commented underneath it uh, with just a question that would maybe be something that we could discuss. And and the question was, is it possible to know God's will for your life? Mm-hmm. I think this is a question we all ask. Or, well, every believer asks, right? This yeah. is the the mystery of God's will, yep. and you know how can we really know God's will? So, uh, Dre, where would you want to start with that question?
1: Yeah, um, it, it is a this is a big question. So I, I think that where we need to start is with knowing that you know we're going to have a conversation about this, and so we may not agree on everything, even even me and you, and and, and um, it's okay if you mm-hmm. don't agree with us. But this is this is a pretty big thing, and and, and the problem is is that. In this conversation, we, uh, we we come up with all kinds of reasons and words that we use um, to kind of try to explain things out. And I think that ultimately we have a problem living in the tension of it. So I think this at the onset of the conversation, we have to be comfortable and okay with saying um, this is something that is... That is pretty big. Whenever we're talking about God's will, we're talking about you know God and who He is and, and what He's doing in the world, um, and so there there is a mystery there. I like the way that you you kind of phrase that that there is a mystery mm. of of God's will, um, but yeah. also in that there's also um, it's not a secret. You know, God's will has been revealed, right. um, and so there's there's mystery, yeah, yeah. but it's not a secret. And I think that's right. Um, this, this kind of living in that tension that automatically like that, that exists within that. So I think just from the beginning, just knowing. You know, um, how, how do we walk through this carefully and just being able to to think
0: through it well? So, so yeah, so I'm ready for the conversation. Are you ready for it, James? Let's go for it, man. Starting. I think let's just start here. Let's start with a very broad question. And the question is, okay, so if we're going to ask, how is it possible to know God's will for your life? Well, maybe we should just ask, what is God's will? And what I mean by that is, what is, if we could maybe take... Take the scriptures, take the will of God and boil it down to a main point. Like God's overall will for, I would say, overall will for creation, his overall will for mankind. What is God's will? Yeah. Uh, so, Dre, you want to you wanna address that?
1: Yeah. Uh, maybe I might throw it back to you. Uh, let me just, <laughs> let me from the start of the conversation, this is something that you may, that we probably haven't talked about before, James. So, I am... I am under the conviction now, like this is kind of where I'm at in my walk, is I think we should stop actually using the will of God language um, and, fo- okay. and focus on what the Bible is telling us to do. Um, okay. I like the idea that, that 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 there is so much that the Bible actually just doesn't address. And so there's a lot of people out there that says, oh, the Bible doesn't answer this question, so let's just ask God and he'll tell us. And I think that kind of leads down to some weird answers and some other dilemmas that get on in, in, in kind of a methodology. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I I am, I'm very clear that the will of God, the way I define it is the propositional revelation, um, that God has given us in the Bible. Um, and so so that's, that's, that's what we get to know. And what God has revealed is, is, is sufficient for us. And so, Mm -hmm. um, so really, it goes down to when I talk about the will of God, I connect it really closely to my view of bi- bibliology, and I connect it to um, we read the Bible, understand its questions than then trying to figure out the answers to our questions. And so we often bring this concept of the yeah. will of God, and we say, what's God's will for me in this and this and this and this? Um, and I would say, that's not what the Bible is interested in telling you necessarily. And maybe we should not read it for our questions, but go back and say, what does it have? And, and using the right questions. And that's the way I kind of like to frame it. And so I think that there's just... We just get into a lot of other things. You know, we get into what should my degree be? Who should I marry? Um, and mm-hmm. um, I, my concern with that is that those are just maybe not what the Bible's concerned with it necessarily directly. And maybe those aren't yeah. the right questions whenever we talk about the will of God. Um, so I don't know, yeah. what, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I, I think you're bringing up some good points. So th- there's a reason I asked that question the way I asked it, because before you can get to, I'm going to take a macro look so we're going to go from macro to micro, so to say, right? So there's a macro look at what is the overall will of God for our life. And if we can't get the macro look of God's will, we won't get we won't get right the micro look of God's will. So here's what I mean. The macro look of God's will is what is God's overall purpose for creation, for humanity? Mm-hmm. If you don't understand that, then you're going to have a very difficult time dealing with you know, like you said, these these more personal decisions that aren't revealed in scripture, mm-hmm. like, yeah, who am I gonna marry or or uh you know, what school am I gonna attend or what degree am I gonna get? What job should I pursue? Oh, I have this work opportunity, should I pursue that? Should I not pursue that? These are more, you know, these are definitely more things that are not obviously not addressed directly in scripture. But you're going to have a hard time with those decisions if you can't understand what is God's overall will. So, if we're going to take a macro look at God's will, I would first say that God's overall will for humanity for creation is is really to go back to that He His name might be honored and He might be glorified. Mm-hmm. That is that is God's primary will in Scripture is His own glory. Yeah. Right now we could you, people can look at that and say, well, that sounds kind of selfish and. I remember hearing a sermon from David Platt on this, and I loved how he said it. He said, "Well, who else would you have him glorify? Yeah, yeah. right. So if God, if God was going to glorify someone else other than Himself, then He's no longer the supreme God anymore. Yeah, because that's an admission of some. There's someone greater than Him, and there isn't. There isn't. Right. Mm So God's overall purpose is. I would even say, you know, sometimes our misunderstanding is okay. God's overall will is reconciling man back to Himself. I would say that is a subset of what God's overall will is. God's overall will is his own glory. Yeah. Now, he has chosen to glorify himself through reconciling man and through reconciling creation back to him. And that is, I, I think that's, you know, that is actually a deeper view of God's mercy and God's grace and a deeper view of his love in that, hey, he saw fit that the best way to bring honor and glory to himself is to reconcile man back to himself. So I think, and Dre, I like how you address, you know, we need to deal with the questions scripture has first. Yeah. I don't think, you know, what we're not saying is, or maybe, you know, what I'm not saying, and I don't think you're saying this, is we're not saying that these other questions of, you know, hey, what job should I take? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, these other things aren't important. Yeah. But if you don't address the scripture, The questions that Scripture addresses first, you're going to have a hard time answering those other questions or making decisions that are more in line with yeah, that's it. You know, God. Yeah. So
1: yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. The idea is though. I mean, if we're not, I believe we are able to understand God's will. I think that that's what Scripture is. mm -hmm. Um, But the problem is, is we we don't want to do what He's already told us to do. Um, so like, so, so that's, it's, it's just insanity that God has revealed to us what his will is, but we don't want to do that. And so we, instead we try to go trying to find God's approval, his stamp of approval for things that we want to do instead of focusing on what the Bible is telling us to do. Um, and so... And you're right. the The whole thrust of what he's telling us to do it's really simple. I mean, it, the will of God. If I was to sum it up, it's love God, love others. I mean, I think that that is the, the Bible mm-hmm. screams at that. I love God and, and mm-hmm. love others, and, and by doing these two things that are one, um, you know, we we exemplify God Himself. And I think too, even what you're saying, um, the the, the I love the doctrine of the Trinity, the fact that. It is all about God's glory, but it's about the Father bringing glory to the Son and to the Spirit. It's, it's to the mm, Spirit bringing glory yeah. to the Son and the Father, um, and it's it's you know yeah. all this this Trinitarian love that has existed forever that that emits, and even the act of creation itself is an outpouring of love and, and of giving, and and that is who God is by nature. Um, and so all of those things kind of come in. And So it really, I, I just think that we have I think we have a lot more. Like it's not a secret what the God what the will of God is. I think we have a lot more than we don't have. Um, but then we just get caught Mm -hmm. up on, um, all these other little things and we, we, we don't, you know, we're, we're so obsessed and we, you know, we often talked about the perfective will and the permissive will. Um, you know, I always like to say, I was like, well, what part of God's will isn't perfect? You know, what, what part of God's will does he not permit, you know? And so I don't know if these terms are super helpful. Um, I I think that they, I think they can help us understand the conversation, but I think at the end of the day, um. I think that we're just giving words and reasons to things. Never. God has been really clear of what we are to do and, um and, and, and yeah. we move forward in that. So yeah. Good. Good introduction. Yeah. To it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I like what you addressed the Trinitarian law. I mean, John 17 is very instructive in this Jesus prayer yeah. before he goes to the cross. What does he say first? He says, first father, the hour has come glorify your son, that your son, that the son may glorify you. You go down to verse five. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Mm. So, Jesus' prayer is instructive here. Before he prays for his disciples, before he prays for humanity, he starts by saying, Lord, Father, glorify me that I may glorify you. And you know the Spirit then comes in in other passages where we talk about the Spirit's work of glorifying the Son, and then the Son glorifies the Spirit. And so, This is the most important thing, is that God is honored and God is glorified, and so this is this is God's overall purpose. And if we can't get that right, then we're going to have a hard time getting some of these other things right. Yeah. Um. But Dre, you brought up these two terms, and uh, this was actually someone actually brought this question to me: uh, the perfect versus permissive will of God. I don't know if we need to go deep into that, but maybe maybe just to help our listeners, how would you define? How do or maybe not how you would define it. Maybe how do people typically define? Yeah, yeah. these Two terms.
1: Yeah, um, I've been told that there's seven of these words. These are just two of the seven. I've been told there's ten. I've been told you know there's there's lots of discussion on this. Um, mm-hmm. um, I I tend to think, um, and I'll, I'll answer your question too. I tend to think of um, I think it was a book by Chuck Swindoll, but but Chuck Swindoll kind of kind of a uh, helps explain this by, by giving it to three things that God has a plan, God's nature and God's will. And then all three of these pull together is including everything that's happening. And so I think that's probably the way that I would go, mm-hmm. but, but here's what, here's the perfect, perfect will, um, and, and kind of correct me on some of these things, but the perfect will of God is, um, this idea that what God is enacting and what's going on is, um, how do we say, um, it is it is the the overall plan it it is what is 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 what happens you know so this idea of of this is the god everything that goes on is going to end up at the end of time being shown to be the best plan that it 's going to be shown to be perfect right mm-hmm. um, the permissive yeah. will of God when people use that. Um, they're going to use this in the sense of what is, what is God, um, permitting? So al- almost as if there's two wills is kind of the way I think sometimes it gets perverted. I don't think that's actually within the, the doctrine, but what is God permitting to happen? Cause you know, the truth is we are, um, as humans, we have free will, right? Like we're not robots. Yeah. Um, and so we, yeah. we, you, you don't want to go down that road of saying, you know, we don't have any control over this and determinism and all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah. so the idea is, well, how can God be completely in charge and have a will, but yet there's other things. And so the idea is, well, he he's, gives permission for these things to happen. That way, he's still in charge, but he's letting permission for other wills to exist is a way you can go down with that. Yeah. Um, that way, we still maintain our free agency and all that kind of stuff. And so it's just an attempt to, to reconcile some of those things. On, um, do you want to add anything to that, James?
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, what, what you're dealing with here is the age-old question of God's sovereignty versus free will, man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't need to go deep into this. You know, this could go into a Calvinistic discussion. Discussion and that's not really our purpose here today. But um, yeah, you will bring up, and I think there's, I think the problem with these terms is they might be, like you said, we we might use them for discussing certain aspects of the will of God, but the problem can become when we put too much of. I've become more and more convinced that in this terminology and how we divide it up that we have to see, we have to nuance it more to say, Hey, these are more interconnected rather than distinct. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so what can happen is, is, you know, we can distinguish so finely between the two of them that they lose their interconnectedness. And, and I think we try and, in sometimes dividing them, we try to remove, Tension that scripture keeps. Yeah, yeah, there you right? go. So yeah. there's the free will of man and sovereignty. We have to acknowledge that scripture promotes both and that there's tension there. Yes, yeah. And what we, we try to always do is solve the tension. But, you know, I don't know if God ever intended for us to solve the tension. Yeah. Right. Because these are things that are beyond understanding. This is still some of the mysterious aspect of God's will. I think the things that God wanted us to know, that that was the mystery revealed. This is what Paul talks about, the mystery of God now revealed. And Christ is the mystery of God now revealed. What God wanted us to know is, hey, that salvation was going to come and reconciliation was going to come through the work of his son, through death and through resurrection. This is what God wants us to know. Now, the inner workings of that, um, some of the more fine details, like, you know, you go into questions on, you know, how does God— does God choose who will be saved? Does God not choose who will be saved? You know, these Calvinistic versus Arminian questions, these are not questions. They're interesting to talk about, but these I don't think they're questions that were meant to be solved, which is why we've yeah. been we've been arguing for them for a th- couple thousand years. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so literally. I don't think these are the yeah, so they're interesting discussions. But I I've become more and more over time comfortable with just allowing for tension to exist yep. and uh, tr- and trying my best to explain explain some of these things in the most scriptural terms possible and if someone's not necessarily satisfied with the answer I just say hey you know that's fine if you're not satisfied mm-hmm. with it but I don't think scripture goes beyond that yep. so yeah exactly um,
1: you, you hit the nail on the head it's, it's what you first said the the bible was written to reveal god right um, mm-hmm. it was and it was re- and it's not like oh because I think some some Calvinists and some of the young and reform movement maybe take this a little bit too far um, because the Bible was written to us right like so if we didn't exist the Bible wouldn't exist um, and so so mm-hmm. the Bible is for us it is it is kind of about our story in this but it's it's our story of of God revealing himself to us um and yeah. so if that's the if that's the case then then the Bible is extremely important so this really goes down to our, like I said I, I tie the will of God to bibliology um, and so that means that the Bible yeah. is the word of God. It's something that is central to understanding God. And so we need to study it. But whenever we study, we need to find the right questions, not make our own questions. We need to find the answers to the right questions, not look for our own. And that's whenever we, we move away yeah. from that. I think we're moving the will of God into a humanistic, um, you know, stamp of approval. Help, help me figure out what it's for us rather than saying, if the word of God says it, then we know it's the will of God for us. Does that make sense? And yeah. so we, we, oh, we yeah. just move further. And so you're right. There's... Um, you know, we are not robots. We are free agents, but God, um, you know, his will is perfect. And so how do you reconcile that? Um, I don't, you know, I, I <laughs> you know, yeah. when we're, we're, yes. you go out to that question, eventually this question really leads to the nature of evil in the world. Cause the, the next question that, that could be asked that I don't think we should talk about today though, is, um, you know, can we say that our sin is God's will or that we are exempt? You yeah, know, th- yeah. you, that's where the, that's the next logical question that takes you right into the problem of evil. Yeah. Um yeah, And, uh, and th- now, you, now you're doing some really heavy theology there.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, well, that goes into a discussion of uh, what's called determinism, which, which you mentioned that. And that's the idea yeah. that some will take that every single thing that ever happens in this world was predetermined by God. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that is completely beyond what's yeah. the questions that scripture asks. I'll give an example of this. And, you know, some people are probably not going to agree with me. Perfectly fine. You don't agree with me on this. I think most of our misunderstandings with the doctrine of election is we are addressing questions that Paul himself is not addressing. So, for example, I I hold to a view that election in Scripture is primarily a corporate term. I think that when Paul talks about election, he's almost always talking about it in terms of God elected the people. Right. And in God and, you know, in Ephesians, the elect one, Christ, you know, we have an individual there. But when he elected Christ, he elected the people in Christ. Right. And so but what we do with election is we argue about individual election. And I just think most of the time those discussions are actually not the questions being addressed. Like I know I, I read most of the New Testament. I'm like and this has become my conviction over the past couple of years is. These passages aren't talking about that. And then we say, well, and and so then we can maybe get into discussions of, okay, how does this idea of God electing a people, how does it affect us as individuals? Um, we can maybe talk about that, but I think we need to acknowledge that Scripture isn't necessarily dealing with that question. Now, some people won't agree with me on that, but that's just kind of where yeah. where I view it. But that's just kind of illustrative of Letting scripture determine our questions and maybe dealing with those first. And then when I bring my outside questions in, I can maybe more properly deal with those.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I I think having to, you you said we we, we talk about what we can do. I think we look for scripture for what it is. And I want to get into the whole election kind of stuff, too, because it it is it's deep theology stuff. But um, I really think the part of the real heart of this is, is we've got to let God be God. You know, our, our obsession with trying to know in advance the will of God and trying to know, okay, what about this election, this person or that person, this person, you know, in or out. Um, I really think our obsession with that is, is simply idolatry. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it leads to spiritual stuntedness i think I think it leads to a um, a paralyzing effect on us and, and when we we almost feel stuck unless God tells us to move or we we get um, even in calvinism there 's a funny joke that says um and Calvinist is walking down the road and he stubs his toe on a rock and he says well thank goodness that 's over <laughs> like it's like every everything is you know everything's and I think that I think that that leads to just a very it just leads to a stuntedness and that's um, called the cage stage in in some Calvinistic circles Yeah, yeah to, um, and so, um, yeah, I think I think our obsession with trying to figure out all this stuff, um, I think it's just another form of idolatry. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's an, I think it's another form of us going to Scripture and making it answer our questions instead of saying, "No, God has clearly revealed what His will is," mm. and just accepting. Um, I just don't want to do that sometimes because I'm a sinner. Um, yeah. And then, and then pride of saying, um, and I get like, you know, I get people that are not believers and stuff. They, they kind of get to these doctrines and, um, you know, I'll give them the thing like it, it doesn't make sense. And my answer is, yep, you're right. I mean, <laughs> this is, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but that, that's, that's my, my faith is I'm willing to put my faith into someone else. I don't have all the answers. Um, yeah. and so, um, yes, yeah, so I'm willing to, I'm willing to hand that one up, um, because th- this is, it is tricky stuff. And, um. And uh, I think I think that there's there's so there's good conversations. I think you you get into the different, you know, figuring out what God commands, what he permits. I think there's good conversations to be had. Um, Mm -hmm. But maybe maybe we just take it too far and maybe we uh, maybe we take it into some weird theories. Maybe we obsess over it too much. Um, And we, you know, we just get crazy with it really is what's happening. So, uh,
0: yeah. 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 Um, Let's maybe take this down to the to the micro. Uh, so this is, let's, let's take it down to personal decisions, right? So if we're asking the question, most people, when they ask this question, is it possible to know God's will for your life? You know, they're looking at, okay, but what is God's plan for my individual life? Right. So as far as what I should do, it, who I should, yeah. yeah, Some of these questions like, yeah, Yeah, real practical with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So let's get practical here. So let's first ask, are there things about God's will that we can absolutely know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I think yes. Uh, what about you?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I would agree. And so we, we've we talked about some of this, right? You've, we've said, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and then love your neighbor as yourself. This is clearly God's will. Uh, when Jesus commissions the disciples to go and to make disciples of all nations, this is clearly God's will. You know, there's uh, the teachings of Scripture of how believers are to conduct themselves. These are clearly mm-hmm. things that are God. This is God's will for your life. And I would say if you can't be faithful in the things that are explicitly stated as being mm-hmm. God's will, you're going to have a hard time being faithful in the things that aren't explicitly stated. Do um, yeah. you have other thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. Um, <sighs> let say it one more time because I was kind of have another thought going on. But you're saying the things that are
0: – The things that are yeah. – If we can't be faithful in the things that are explicitly stated – Right. About how a Christian is to conduct themselves of what God desires for a believer to do, that he desires for a believer to, you know, to study your study, to show yourself approved in the God, a workman who needs not to be ashamed. You need to rightly be divine, the word of truth, uh, that we are to be in prayer, that we are to bear one another's yeah. burdens. These yeah. are all things that are definitely God's will and they're explicitly stated. And if we can't be faithful in those, mm-hmm. we, we're probably going to have a harder time. Determining what God's direction is for us, in mm-hmm. yeah. um, yeah. things that aren't explicitly stated. Yeah, so. yeah,
1: like like what, you, like for example, I'm speaking, you know, this next week on technology, right? Like that's definitely not in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, um, and I would, I would even take it a step further, and I would be as so inclined to say that that what is explicitly stated it contains everything that is that could ever be implicitly stated. The Bible answers the the overarching. Umbrella question that everything underneath falls. Um, Mm -hmm. Once you know, once you know the overarching story, then the particulars that maybe are not in the story, the particulars now make sense to the whole story. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so by me, by me following what God has revealed, it is sufficient um, for for what it's, it's sufficient for for what I need. Now, it doesn't doesn't mean that. Every scripture can talk about direct use of, you know, medication and, and technology and, and who I'm going to marry. Um, but it, it answers the broader question in which we we can figure out all other questions through it. So, um, yeah, so I think that's a good way to good way to state. It. I really like that idea of if, you, if you, you, you keep the main thing, the main thing is how I've been taught mm-hmm. to say it. Right. You keep the center, the center. Um, and then um, everything else is going to is going to be going to be there. So, um, yeah. And I would take it one step further. So Chuck Swindoll, um, he is the chancellor of my seminary and, um, and he has a book that, um, I was introduced to my first semester. It's called the mystery of God's will. Um, what does Hmm. he want from me? I really recommend it for anybody that's like really just wants to dive into this. Um, I think that's a great book on it. And here's a quote from his book. He says, uh, Chuck says this, everything in your life that has happened is part of God's will. Um, and so it's this idea that, that that how how do you know how do you know if something that has happened was part of God's decreed will, right? Well, you know mm-hmm. because it happened. Right. Um you know, and so so in a sense, um, you know, me and my wife in, in our marriage counseling stuff, um, you know, we've always talked to people and we say, Well, how do I know I married the right person? Um well, our favorite answer is, Well, you already married them. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Um That's how that's how you know. Um yeah. and so so really it, this idea of what has happened and what god has allowed that i mean how do you know God's will we'll look at what's happened that was God's mm-hmm. will um, because n- nothing could happen outside of God's will god is god is in charge um and, and like you, said, you still go down these the elephant in the room it once again is a problem of evil in that um, and i think that's another thing you have to to yeah. wrestle with but yeah well, but this idea that you know what's happened god intended it to happen so
0: well and i think what you're dealing with there is asking questions about how do i know i did this right I almost—it's almost an irrelevant question at that point, right? Because hey, it—you ha- know, like so with your illustration of how do I know I married the right person? Irrelevant, you know. You're married to him. Like move that's forward. Right. Like yeah. that, that's yeah. so. I mean, yeah. they're the right person now because you're married to him and you're in this covenant. You know God's will is that marriage is a covenant meant to be for life, and so yep. God's will is not. That's you it. Know, you can't yeah. look back and be like, well, I might have made the wrong decision. So God's will doesn't say, all right, break it off because you made the wrong decision back then. No, I mean, God, yeah. we know the revealed will of God is that the covenant of marriage is a lasting covenant. And so yeah. so I, I think, again, what we're getting back to is just asking asking the right questions, you know, you could look back to that, mm-hmm. you know, did I take the right job and did I take the right career? Well, you're in it now. So, you know, seek God now and continue to pursue God where you are now, rather than looking back to the past. And, you know, maybe a good illustration of this is Jonah, you know, to Jonah, mm-hmm. follow the will of God first at first. No, I mean, God's God's calling upon Jonah was always, hey, go to Nineveh and preach, that's and Jonah right. doesn't make the right decision. He goes and he he tries to escape, and you know God at this point intervenes, and you know Jonah could look back and say, "Well, well did I make the right decision back then?" And you know God, uh, you know if Jonah would ask that question, I like in the belly of the whale, God might have said, "You know, you might have you probably you made the wrong decision back then, but hey, that's not relevant now. Pursue me yeah. now." And so right, I, yeah. I think that's what we need to really be asking yeah. um, when the, that yeah. stuff comes up.
1: And then, and then, looking forward, we would now say like the book of Jonah, the the, the uh, events that happened. That you know, now that it's happened, we know that was God's will for it to happen. You know, now that right. we we have the vantage point of 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 looking at that, and so um, yeah. and so we could say, yeah, what 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 is? I mean, you look at the world around, you look at where things are, and you know, I think we just have to. I think that's where we do need a dose of God's sovereignty and say. You know, for whatever reason, you know we don't know. We don't have all the answers. But but God, God allowed this stuff to happen. This was part of His will. This is what He, mm-hmm. um, and so and once again, we got to be careful to say, well, it's not His will for us to sin all this different stuff. Um, you know, but but I do think I, th- I think that Chuck Swindoll is right that everything that has happened is part of the will of God. That God is more in control than than we um, than we know. And mm. I think that one day we'll, we'll look back and we'll see the places where it felt like there was not control. Um, and, mm. and it'll, it'll make sense. Um, but we just don't have that vantage point right now. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I do want to end with, um, you know, so how do we make decisions? I think our last question is, you know, how do you make personal decisions that are not mm. addressed in scripture? Um, how can we know God's will in those areas? Um, I've got, uh, what, five steps that I normally tell people, not in any particular order, um, kind of in particular order, but, um, mm-hmm. one, I think that God has given us a brain, um, God has, you know, uh, my, yeah. one of my favorite, my favorite quotes from the office is um, I think Dwight, I think Michael Scott tells Dwight, like, don't be an idiot. And Dwight's yes. like, that was my favorite piece of advice is yeah, every time yeah. I think, uh, you know, should I do this? Or I think, would an idiot do this? Do that? If
0: not, and, <laughs> and if then, not, I would not do that thing.
1: That I would not do that thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so um, I, I think, and that's a funny example, but yeah, I mean, God has given you a brain. And, and once again, if you're studying scripture and you're going to that, there are some things that we just know really right off the bat, like, nah, this is wrong. Like we, there's really... Really not debate there there's not some there, there's some areas where there's gray areas I'll give you that um, but there's other areas where it's like no this is pretty clear uh, mainly in you know Jesus what's the important thing we should do love God love others I mean if you just got that you you're you're doing good because mm-hmm. all the law is really you know into that um, right. so love God love others um, and then seek godly counsel um, we talked mm-hmm. early at the beginning that that God is a community so by us being made in his image we are made for community uh, your book uh, you know life together by Bonhoeffer um, really mm-hmm. presses this idea that we have to have community. So, using our brain, seeking godly counsel, prayer, right? We have direct mm-hmm. access to God. We believe that. We believe that we are, um, you know, this side of, of, of the cross, that we have this incredible connection, the Holy Spirit with us. Um, and so, pray. And then my advice is go for it, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then look ahead, not backwards. Look mm-hmm. ahead. And so, so don't think, have I settled for second best? That's looking backwards, right mm-hmm. um did I make the right choice that's looking backwards always look ahead go for it mm-hmm. pray be people who walk out um, and realize the freedom that you have in Christ the freedom that you have in this um and and you move forward in that and you're you're're you're, you're using godly counsel you're, you're praying you're reading scripture um and then I think that I think this obsession with our idolatry of trying to understand um things that maybe the Bible has told us not to understand I think I think if we just do what God has told us um you know then, then we'll find that um, that the other questions will subside and we, and we can walk better in that tension uh, yep. and, and maybe maybe stop trying to use maybe stop being paralyzed of I'm going to wait for God to tell me or wait for God to you know I'm not going to do anything unless God tells me like you know try that for a day you won't eat food like you're going to hear a voice from God right. saying go eat now um, I think we can just move away from maybe these unhealthy weird cultish kind of things that I've, right. I've seen in my life
0: right so. yeah I mean you've addressed probably most of the things I would say uh, maybe just add a couple things one is just a very simple being open and willing and just being submissive to God to say, hey, God, whatever you would want in my life, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and, and so like John seven seventeen, Jesus says, if anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching, whether it's of God or whether I speak from myself. Um, yeah. And so just a, a daily surrender to God is, is a really good place to start. Uh, two, you know, you talked about seeking God in prayer and prayer in this word. I would say, and especially in some of these maybe personal big decisions in your life, uh, if you want to have a better chance of, you know, making a good decision, making a good godly decision when those when those things come up, you need to be daily walking with God. It's going to be a lot harder if you're not daily if you're not daily yeah. praying and communicating with God. Um, if you haven't communicated with God at all, all of a sudden when the big decision comes up, you're probably gonna have a hard time in communication with God because you don't know how to do yeah. it. And yeah. so I, I think that's a very important thing of just, Hey, daily communicating with God. And then, you know, God's going to give you direction when he needs to. I do believe that sometimes God will use his word to give direction in certain specific areas of your life um, that God can speak in that way. Cause I've, I've seen him do it in my own life. Um, yeah. But yeah. you know, also try not to like overcomplicate it at times, you know, <laughs> when, yeah. um, yeah. and so, um, yeah, I mean, so, I yeah. tell
1: people all the time, I mean, God, God does speak to you. Um, but most of the time it's about his son, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's about what it's about what's in scripture. And, um, and if you get, I mean, so the Bible is not a manual for living. Um, it's, that's mm-hmm. not the purpose of it. It's not the answers for all life's questions. That's, that's not it. Um, but the Bible should be used to help us make decisions. Yeah. Um, but, but it's going to help us make the decisions on the right questions and yeah. what once you get those right, then you'll realize the other ones are the wrong questions, and, mm-hmm. and, and the the weight of those questions you realize is not on you anymore, and it's not on. Um, it, it, it keeps us from ourselves. It keeps the focus back on where we started, which is you know our focus is is about the triune God and bringing glory to Him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think at the end of the day, um, you know, at the end of our lives, we'll look back and, and we'll see the areas where that happened, the areas where that didn't happen, and um, and and that's what we'll we'll kind of. Uh, want to dwell on that's that's that'll be our revelation for ourselves to say hey this is this is the point of life and all the little stuff will just fade away i think so
0: yeah yeah i would say the scripture is a revelation of god's of god himself to mankind and once you understand who god is it directly affects then how you live um it's not just first hey here's instructions for how to live it's god says here's who i am Here's, here's the relationship I want to have you. Here's the purpose I've created you for. And then that affects, this is what Paul does in his letters. Mo- most of the time, his letters start with a theology of who God is. And then it goes into instructions for living because that's directly tied to the character of God.
1: Yeah, so yeah.
0: Um, that's what we need to understand first. And then we're going to have an easier time making those personal decisions um, in a way that is godly.
1: Yeah, All about God. I think we uh, beat that horse to death, so uh, we yeah, should yeah. be good. We should be good.
0: Yeah. All so, right.
1: Well, James, uh, I think that wraps up our episode for today. Do you got any uh, comments for
0: Yeah, kind of yeah. Off? Again, just uh, th- thank you for joining us and listening to us. We would encourage you, if you have not already, to go follow us on Facebook at Good Theological Thursday. You can contact us there or you can contact us through email at goodtheologicalthursday at gmail.com. If you have not uh, followed or subscribed to us on whatever platform you're using, whether it be Spotify, Apple, or Google, uh, we would encourage you to go ahead and do that. And uh, if you've got any sort of review, um, we would also love if you uh, give us a shout-out, um, and we would appreciate anything you can do with that. Uh, I do have one review to read. Uh, this is fr- uh, came from Facebook. This was from Donna Liebarger, who uh, I think you know who this is, Dre. I I, I hope I'm saying that last name right. But um, it says, I guess she was um, driving one of the buses for staying on the buses coming back from camp. But she says, despite them trying to say that it's good for insomniacs, I've listened all night on the bus on their way to camp. No sleep. I met Dre last year through our homeschool group meeting at his church. Enjoy the teachings he had for our students and join the podcast, too. So thank you, Donna, for that. Uh, giving us a shout out there so uh dre i think that's all i got for this week you got anything else
1: yeah just uh come back next week we're gonna tackle the question of of um kind of a little bit of good and evil kind of a follow-up from today but you know why do i seem to be punished for doing the right thing you know why do bad things happen to good people we're gonna tackle that so join us next week and until then have a good theological thursday bye
0: see ya